Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So apparently this happens fairly often because I mm. see three emails from you that I haven't read. Oh. One from March, one from May, and one from August. The nerve of that guy, eh, I mean, I'm telling you. I keep emailing, emailing him and never replies to me. Just take those those Tim Mitro emails and shove them right <laughs> yeah. in the No, that's what happens. <laughs> well, I mean, it almost did because, because the full, the here's the problem. Wait, I want to know now. Wait, were the other ones important? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> they must not no, have been if you no. never said, hey, man, did you get that? email so, <laughs> so I have a rule that puts it into the So hey everybody, welcome to episode 311 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? We also have Mark Rubin on the line in San Jose, California. Hello. Alrighty. Uh, see, this is what happens when you get to be 60, you forget things. Well, similar to going into that seventh decade, um, we have crossed, according to my calendar, we have crossed the six years for this very show. And we are we have, beginning right. the oh, seventh yeah. year. You're right. You're right. It was August, wasn't it? Yeah. Auspicious. Suspicious. Seventh or eighth, I think, right? We so always, what's we always... the seventh anniversary thing? Like they say, it's not the golden anniversary or, you know. Probably probably like a wood what is chapter. seven years? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what I was going to say, though, is, is, is you know how we're always talking about time zones and stuff being hard, right? And, and I've always, my sister's always like, we celebrate my birthday on the 12th of August, right? But I was born at five o'clock in the morning in England, right? Mm -hmm. So technically my birthday is on August 11th at around 11 p.m. based mm -hmm. on, yeah, so mm -hmm. in North America, I mean, right? You know what I mean? Like right. or sure. at least yeah. the time zone I'm in. So anyway, whatever. It's all relative, right? It's all about relatives. All about relatives. Yeah. yeah, relatives and relatives. So yeah, we just have a quick fact check from last week. I was talking, but we were talking about phone numbers. And I don't know, like, I'm not old enough to, well, I mean, mind you, I didn't use the phone when I was a little kid until I came to Canada. And, uh, but, but Carol, who's a few years older than me, her, she remembers her phone number being Belmont 10924, not what I said last week. So it was BE10924. So they would give you some sort of word that um, the BE represented, right? And you would dial the BE on the phone. 
phone and then the rest of the numbers. That's how you got your, your now, change. Was was Belmont like the neighborhood she lived in or something? Or was no, it just not a necessarily. Word? It was just yeah. I, I, you know that said, I think it, it probably was like it was probably like a, a place where I guess when the old days when they used to plug them in by like you'd have a switchboard who actually ran patch mm-hmm. cables, right? Yeah, they probably had like a bank that was like Belmont, and and uh, I would assume that the phone number. I mean, I don't know. This is again another subject for fact check, but I would assume that the Belmont people were in a region of Toronto, right? Because eventually we got to the point where we had um, local exchanges, right? Like when we got big enough, we had to go to beyond seven digits to ten digits, and they started the you know the area code sort of nonsense, right? So I wonder how they I wonder how they they actually connected. Like if you wanted to call somebody in say San Francisco or whatever, how they managed to make that connection from one place to another, right? Big long wire. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, and and decay, right, and delay, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, because I remember calling across the the sea used to be a lot of delays, right? Yeah, Maybe yeah, across the big ocean there. Yeah, well, I, I think in the early days, the I mean, the really early days, the way it worked was you had just a string of operators. Yeah, and the operator had to figure out, okay, who can I call? Who can route it to the next place? And just kind of you know one by one link the chain. That's why it used to take. I sort of barely remember this, but even when I was a kid, it used to take a long time to make to establish a long distance call like an overseas long right. distance call yeah. it wasn't you, you didn't just pick up the phone and dial the number and it rings you know it was like yeah you had to ask the operator to make the connection right yeah 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 i don't know like i yeah. said I, I how old were you when you started using the phone uh i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i don't i mean certainly by the time i was in like kindergarten i could use the phone oh yeah yeah, yeah. i don't know who i talked to but yeah yeah see i don't remember phones don't like know. we i remember phones when we came to i had a phone in england actually sure now that i think about it but I do remember having a phone in in um, in Montreal when we came in '66, right? When I was six years old. So, hmm. anywho, in the house, I mean. Um, so, right. so by the magic of Apple Maps, I found there is a Belmont Street in Toronto. Oh, really? Whereabouts is it? It is. Do you know where Ramsden Park is? No, I don't. That's just the rent the random thing nearby. So let me zoom out a little bit. Uh, De La Salle College. Uh, let me just Belmont. You said uh, near Cabbage Town and Annex St. Uh, James. Yeah, Town. No, that's that's actually pretty close to me. That, Belmont Street, but no, that's not that's not where Carol near Queens was Park. Yeah. Oh, kind of near Toronto City Hall. That's not where she grew up. No, no, no she grew okay. up. She grew up in in Etobicoke, uh, which would be. Let's see. You see the highway called 427 over on the, um, the left hand side of the map. Uh, I'm zooming out. You have to scroll quite away. I see. Is it around Vaughan? No, no, no. That's too far. You're going too far. Oh, north. Too far. No, you want to go? You want to go towards Seattle? <laughs> I see 27. Yeah, 27. Yeah, if you go down 27, it becomes the 427, right? Carol basically lived, you know. Exactly. I see a 427. I see a 403 and a 410. Mm-hmm. You see the Gardner Expressway? You see an Apple Maps, right? Yeah, I do see the Gardner Expressway. That's 403, right? No. Four, Gardner, oh, four, 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 yeah, 403. No? 427 runs north-south, right? I don't know. You tell me. Oh, there's 427. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you look at that, that chunk of road there, right, mm-hmm. about a third down from the top is where Carol lived. Not that it matters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Next time, next time I, I'll there, I'll, I'm there. I'll, I'll, note, I'll note it. <laughs> well, I'll ask her, maybe, maybe for next week, I'll ask her if, if Belmont was like her neighbor said the same exchange or not or whatever. She, she remembers that kind of stuff. Alrighty. Um, what, is, what is Loblaws? What's Loblaws? Is a, it's a, like, um, oh, it's a grocery store. Oh, okay. Okay. So we used to call it Loblaws when we were little kids. Uh, okay. because, so it's yeah, not, not owned have... by Bob Loblaw? <laughs> no, it's not owned by Bob Loblaw. <laughs> <laughs> trying to remember what the hell's the name of a grocery store in the States? Safeway? In the US? 
Funtress. Yeah, Funtress. yeah. Funtress. Safeway is, yeah, is Safeway is a big one. Nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's Safeway, there's Lucky, there's um, on the East Coast, there's Shaw's, there's Kroger and Publix, who Kroger, might have Fred yeah. Meyer. Pig, Piggly, Wiggly, Piggly Wiggly is a big one in the South. Wow. Yeah. Yes, you say. Stock Market in the in the East Coast, in the in Northeast. Which market? Star Market. Star Market. Star Market. Yeah. Well, Steinberg's is big in in, uh, in Quebec. Anyway, let's move on. Um, this is all going to get thrown in the trash. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Ame, you got some follow-up for us? Yeah. I mean, I think for folks who are, are developers listening to this show, this is maybe uh, less news to you because you've had access to the developer betas. But if you're the kind who waits for the public betas, uh, macOS Big Sur has its uh, its public beta that came out. Yeah. So, yeah. And that also I'm, coincides with the uh, iPad and, and uh, iOS beta, right? Isn't it? I don't know. They, they It sort of does and doesn't, it seems like, doesn't it? Like, it, it seems to be pretty close to that when uh, when Apple is focusing on macOS, um, or at least, you know, not leaving it in the dust, where there were definitely years where, where it was sort of languishing. But I think they're doing a better job of keeping all of the operating systems sort of, not necessarily in lockstep, but, but pretty close, where it doesn't feel like, okay, there's just one team, and they can only work on iOS, and then when they're done, they can work on macOS sort of thing. So it, it feels closer to me, even though I haven't really tracked to see, you know, is there actually a tangible difference, or is it just, you know, in my head? Well, I am running the iOS, sorry, I'm running the iPad OS um, beta 14 on my, public beta 14 on my, my new iPad. So yeah, got a few crashes on it, but uh, otherwise it's been pretty good. And I am running Big Sur on one of my Macs, but not one of my, I'm not this Mac. I'm thinking of maybe trying it out. I don't know. Do, no, I haven't heard anything horrible about it. It's been pretty solid, eh? Uh, my beta 4, I believe, right? Yeah, that's the good thing. Like, the thing you definitely want to watch out for is anything that will cause iCloud to have problems because that oh, starts yeah, impacting right. your other devices that uh, you weren't sacrificing to the, the beta gods. Um, and I think this year really feels a lot like um, the same relationship that iOS 11 had with 12, where 12 was really solid because it was more or less the performance and stability release of iOS 11. And I think 14 feels to me, and, and the related you know, macOS stuff seems kind of like the performance and stability release parallel to iOS 13 and uh, macOS Catalina. Right, right. Okay. So there's been some drama around our house the last couple of weeks because uh, Carol, who's our master mask maker, face mask maker here, um, she's cutting fabric and, you know, spread and all that kind of stuff all the time. And, and what happens is it ends up on the floor of her studio and she rolls her chair over top of it and, and uh, gums up the, uh, the, the, the the wheels, the casters or whatever we call them, right? So she's been looking at wheels for her chair. And um, so we've discovered that the Ikea chair that she uses now has wheels that screw in and she wants to find the sort of rollerblade ones that, you know, are nice gel ones that, but most of them have like a, they kind of pop into like a hole. So there's, I've been struggling to find wheels for Carol's um, chairs and stuff like that. We're trying out different things. And so that leads us to this next story, doesn't it, Jaime? In a very roundabout way, yes. Um, so <laughs> we had talked about the fact that you could buy a set of wheels for your Mac Pro from Apple. Those are about I don't think we didn't think about buying the Mac Pro wheels for her chair. I mean, that would have been pretty, pretty interesting uh, at, at $400 for the, the set. But if you wanted to save a little bit of money, we've got the first third-party wheels from OWC Rover Pro. They've got their wheels kit for the 2019 Mac Pro for the very low price of $249 US. And you don't have to take off the little feet that come with your, your Mac Pro the way you would with Apple's. You just uh, attach them right on there, the existing really? feet. Um, they notably in this article do not come with uh, wheel brakes or wheel locks. So it's a little unclear how you keep things from rolling away 
if uh, you've got a slight incline to your your setting. But uh, yeah, yeah cheaper do, option. Do the Apple ones lock in place? They do not, and it's a uh, oh really? I, I I guess they want to sell you a. Uh, an Apple wedge that you can buy yeah. for $49.99. That's, that's, that's a thousand bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, if you're spending $5,400, $54,000, like, excuse me, on a computer, why wouldn't you spend $400 on a set of wheels? I guess you want to save money and buy some RAM or something? I mean, you've you've gotten pretty much the maxing out on everything at that price, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is what the article says here, that you're $5,400 or $54,000. It's hard. It's a hard number to sort of even say. <laughs> This is like going back to like the 70s when computers cost like that kind of money, right? Wow, crazy. Mm, yeah, Workstation pricing. Yeah. I don't, I don't think in the 70s you could actually buy a home computer for that much money. No, no, I wasn't Probably talking about exists. home. I was talking yeah. like the, the big, you know, $500,000 systems. Yeah, we yeah. used to use them in yeah. print in print, print, print production. Yeah. Um, so they'd have scanner, big giant drum scanners connected to them. And you do like, you basically would like Photoshop, but like just the color, yeah. like the color chart, right? Thing. Yeah. So would crazy, you make a crazy. punch card, you know, and, and make a bitmap in your punch card? and stick it in and it would print it. <laughs> it it's funny you say that because but they did have you know they you know how we had those Cyquest tries that had the big removable platters like they were on like a five inch pl- uh, cartridge you could slide into a drive before that they actually had like a, a I think it was five megabyte hard disk that you basically could re- replace the pat the platens with and the the drive unit itself was the size of a dishwasher right yeah and they, and they were you know that was like five megabytes of storage you were just you know in heaven if you could board one of those right back in the day. Anyway, that was like, you know, 60s, 70s sort of thing. Yeah, you had to work for a really well-to-do company at that stuff. All right, what's next, Tommy? Speaking of the the season of public betas, the uh, the first one for Apple Watch is available. So Watch OS Seven is a public beta. It includes you know sleep tracking and a few other things that people are gonna like. Um, I will say, unlike other sorts of things, apparently when you uh, when you go with the the beta, like there's no going back on Watch OS. So it's a little bit different than trying to restore for your your other devices. It could hypothetically go back. So that is a caveat there. So why do you say first beta? Is this the first time they've done a public beta? It's the first public beta for this year I, oh, i'm struggling okay. to remember if this is the first one that they've ever done for watch os i actually can't remember hmm. and there's no is there any requirement to which ios or ipad os you have to run uh, ios i guess it is i think it i think it has to pair up with ios 14 hmm. what i would call but I, I don't know there's always that like weird relationship there because the the watch is subordinate to the phone so mm-hmm. the, you know the backup sort of thing that that it does every once in a while between you know hey let's take a little snapshot of your watch and then you could throw that watch in the river and get a brand new one and it'll just restore itself the configuration settings you have that that wouldn't work uh, at least not necessarily work if you weren't on the same matched version of watch os and ios yeah so so real-time follow-up here it says uh, i just followed the link that was on that same article it says before you even start you must install ios 14 public beta on your iphone to get watch os beta software yeah so that is a requirement okay that's good that's good the real-time follow-up avoid future fact checks yeah <laughs> and then, well i'll put it, i'll put a link in the show notes too because it's got some step-by-steps on how to download the watch os 7 beta and things like that cool hmm. so I, essentially for the for the ipad um beta what i did was i went to i went to beta.apple.com and then i saw and i basically um agreed to the terms and conditions or whatever on my ipad and then and then it allowed me to download a uh, like a profile and then once i, did, I downloaded that profile and you know checked all the crossed all the t's and dotted all the 
revised. Then I was able to download the software update, and that uh, and then it basically just installed on my iPad. So I assume that would be the same sort of deal. You'd, you know, you'd have to get the provision your your your, your iOS device, and then your requisite you'd have another profile for your watch, right? So yeah, built in magic of profiles. Cool. All right. So this, by the way, this is the Jaime show. In case people haven't noticed, he's pretty much. All <laughs> I was like, keep today. knocking down the, the items in our 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 show notes. Uh, the, you know, speaking of the watch, uh, Google Maps is coming back to the Apple Watch. And apparently, it's been three years. I I didn't realize it had already been three years, but I do remember having the Google Maps app on the Apple Watch, and uh, it's been gone for a while. And uh, that's a bummer. I do like having the alternative to Apple Maps. Um, that it, it's so come back. Is it a is it a standalone app now? I don't know. It, it it's not actually you know launching today in the, right. in the real typical journalist way. It's like reintroduces really should be will reintroduce in the coming weeks. Yeah. So I haven't been able to try this out. It's definitely when I'll load um, onto my watch. I am kind of curious to see if it will be a standalone watch app. Um, it was not before. Definitely predated that technology. Right. Right. Is there an Apple map app on the watch? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have turn by turn and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. I, I almost never use it. it in a starting from the watch standpoint. I almost always use it as figure out where I'm going on the phone and then the watch gives oh, me the directions. Is. How about that? Yeah, it looks and, like a little uh, location icon in the center. Yeah. yeah I, very, I very rarely use the map. It's, by the way, I have a more exact answer as to when the Google Maps is coming. It says here, promises to come and in, in air quotes, in the coming weeks. So, yeah. You know, and and, and people were wondering, sort of like, oh, I wonder why it's coming back. It's like, well, because... Where did it go? It, it went away. Um, you know, who knows what reason, because, you know, those sorts of priorities can change. My speculation for the reason it came back is that in the intervening three years, there is no competition between watchOS and uh, Wear OS. Wear OS has lost mightily, right? It is a floundering platform, whereas watchOS is, uh, you know, a nice growing platform. And so I think from, you know, Google's standpoint as a business, they really can't afford not to be on watchOS. And so Wear OS is, is the Android equivalent of yeah. I, watch, app watchOS? Yeah, but it's it's a it's in a really sad situation for uh, smartwatches on the, the Android side of the house because um, for reasons that are not entirely clear to me, Qualcomm was pretty much the only provider of the uh, systems on a chip uh, that would power those, and it has not kept up to, you know, to pace with what the Apple Watch has been able to do. And uh, I guess Qualcomm didn't believe there was enough of a market in it. So you do get more um, uh, Android uh, watches out there uh, based on Wear OS, but it's it's definitely not um, you know this this growing you know platform from a, a user standpoint the way that WatchOS is right like WatchOS has pretty much dominated that part of the market and I think that's probably a big reason why uh, on the lower end Google went to go acquire Fitbit you know more the the fitness tracker and not necessarily smart smart watch platform and even that's kind of like a little bit dicey because now uh, I want to say the European Union is is looking into the antitrust issues related to that so it's a rough ride for the, the folks at Google. Hmm, interesting. All right. This next story we talked about at the office and I was going to pull it in until I noticed that Jaime put it in here already. What do you got? Well, I'm glad that you uh, you had the integrity to not steal my, my link <laughs> out of the show notes. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, this one is news that came across the uh, the old desk here that says, you know, from Apple's developer news and updates, verify your app's integrity with the new app attest API. Apparently, this is part of the mm-hmm. new uh, device check services that have uh, existed before. But now there are cryptographic uh, keys that can be used on devices to help you validate that you are, in fact, working with um, a non you know nefarious version of your app before you start integrating with sensitive data. And I, I looked into the link, you know, the learn more takes you to the device check framework. And really what's new is um, the whole app attest section, right? So establishing your app's integrity, you take a look and it's like, oh, okay. So you're going to create a, a hardware-based cryptographic key that Apple servers uh, certify belong to a valid instance of your app. And so later your app can take a look at this and say, hey, is this thing valid? And you're checking to make sure that the, the key pair is valid. I can't go much further further than that because I I very briefly looked at the docs but sort of got the gist of okay cool so you're you're getting this assertion uh very similar uh in a in an analogous sort of way to the way that you ask um the biometrics right like face ID or touch ID hey is this a valid user yes it is cool mm. in this case you're asking you know is this app valid yes it is cool hasn't been messed with tinkered with then we're in a better place to go ahead and, and handle sensitive data as opposed to like oh there's some cracked version of the app that's being run here uh, against your bank accounts, for example. Interesting. Cool. So you can validate that you're, I guess you can query Apple to, to make sure this is actually a legit client that's trying to access your servers. Is that the idea? Yeah. Yeah. So it's giving you, you know, an additional data point to try to understand, you know, what's the risk factor that you're dealing mm. with. Here. In fact, it says uh, assessing fraud risk is one of the, the articles that's in here of, you know, let's try to understand, you know, it's not a simple, um, you know, yes, no, is safe or not safe. You're really looking at, you know, what's your threat model, which is something we've mentioned on the show before. Like what, what sorts of threats are you likely to have to deal with? And what are the impacts for those? If you, you know, if your app is something that, you know, maintains somebody's recipes or their to-do list, kind of a lower sort of um, impact or blast rate is then like, oh, this is my bank account. This is... Speak for yourself for your recipes. Mine are pretty valuable. (laughs) I have no proprietary (laughs) recipes. They're all just plain, you know, plain old vanilla ones. But yes, I suppose if you're, you know, Wolfgang Puck or Gordon Ramsay, you might feel a little different about that. Mm. All right. Well, this next story is sort of, a, it's a bit of an examination from uh, John Gruber about um, I guess this, we talked about, I think this is almost qualifies as follow-up too, because we talked about Microsoft coming out with a new sort of game system, right? Where, like a subscription pro- uh, mode where you can download and play games from their, their service for a flat fee per month, right? And I think we talked about how expensive individual games are, and and uh, this might be a play to compete with Apple's arcade. Not that Apple's arcade is really a play in this sense. Um, there are more titles available on you know the Microsoft platforms and the PlayStation platforms and stuff like that, right? And but uh, Apple has uh, I believe, apparently rejected um, Microsoft's uh, app, right? Is that correct, Tommy? Yeah. You know, you can't so use the Game Pass. So Apple, sorry, uh, Microsoft was doing beta testing of its xCloud um, game streaming service. So it's it's pretty similar to like video streaming where, you know, you go to Netflix and you're like, wow, I sure would like to view that movie instead of getting a physical copy in the mail like you used to with Netflix. It's like, oh yeah, just on demand, go ahead and stream. You take that model there where, wow, I sure would like to play this new game that's available on the Xbox. Instead of going to the retail store and getting a copy physically, oh, I'll just play it now. It will, I won't even have to download the entire thing 
playing, it will just stream whatever bits are necessary for me to play the game. And if you can do that, then you say, well, why do I even have to be sitting on the couch in front of a TV with an actual Xbox? Why couldn't I be on the bus with my mobile device playing? And that was something that Microsoft wanted to make available and, and has made available for Android devices. And uh, until recently was looking to do that same thing for iOS. And then they very quickly um, stopped the beta testing. And apparently it's come out that Apple said, yeah, this this sort of streaming is not going to be allowed on uh, on the App Store. Right. And it's not about whether they can review them or not. It says here, it's basically that they just full stop won't let streaming apps on the store. Streaming, sorry, streaming game apps, because obviously they do let Netflix on and Prime on, right? Different technology. Yeah, it's very, very weird. And, and this sort of teasing a part of the, um, you know, Apple's statement to uh, Business Insider regarding the Xbox Game Pass, which includes xCloud game streaming. Um, it's really, it's really tough to sort of make sort of logical sense of it of like, okay, wait a minute. So you're saying that you want to be able to review each individual game and that wouldn't be possible here, but you definitely don't review each individual TV show or movie coming from Netflix. So why is that allowed? You know, like why, why take this particular stance for, for game streaming in particular? Yeah, there's also Steam Link apparently that's on the App Store and that's a similar kind of idea, right? Where you have Steam games that you can play. That's my They're understanding. And, natively, right? And, and to round it out, uh, Google's Stadia tries to do a very similar thing with uh, with games where you're able to, to just stream from anywhere and play uh, games um, from whatever device is handy. Um, it's really tough because uh, Gruber here sort of covers like the, well, does this run afoul of App Store guidelines like 4.2.7, the remote desktop clients? Um which is interesting because it, it maybe right like we we might want to tease that apart a little bit where uh, you have sort of historically been okay to deal with um, streaming of stuff from uh, or doing remote desktop client type things for things that are on your actual network right so uh, I think PlayStation uh, Sony has a, a similar thing that, that is totally allowed where uh, yes I could have a, a PlayStation Four sitting in my house and assuming I'm sitting on the same network uh, you know maybe somebody. Uh, using the TV that that PlayStation is connected to. All right, well, whatever. I can be in a different room and I can be streaming from my iPad and playing games there because it all happens to be on the same network. Uh, that's not necessarily true for uh, Google Stadia or um, Microsoft's xCloud, where the sort of intent is you're not on your own network. You're on the public internet and you're, you're streaming your your games from there. So there there definitely is written rule here that, that if you agree that uh, the way that these apps are working is in the style of a remote desktop client is like, yeah, it's very clear that there's, you know, guideline 4.2.7 that would run afoul. Sort of the, the philosophical question here is, does this really apply as the same thing? Is this like like a VNC client? And it, it doesn't feel like the same kind of use case to me. Uh, I think personally that this is more akin to, um, you know, Netflix or Disney Plus type. I'm streaming content. It happens to be interactive content, but I'm streaming a fairly limited content uh, through my mobile device. Right, right. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know because it, you know, the 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 other side of this, right, that is, you know, there's sort of a promise that is made to you as a, a you know, a purchaser of Apple products, and in particular, something that's attached to the App Store as strongly as as the iPhone and the iPad is, where you kind of know that you're not going to run into uh, like hardcore pornography, as an example, right, right, or just like unreasonably violent games. Um, there is a 
reason why Apple Arcade exists and that it's, it's an even, you know, you know, an even nicer section of the walled garden, but you've selected to go into the walled garden. So when I see this from Apple side, it's like, yeah, you know, um, if you just allow this stuff to stream through, you've punched this really big hole where are you going to end up with this PR nightmare of like, oh my God, I gave my child, you know, an iPhone and look at this hardcore pornography that came through because there was a, a porn hub, uh, section of Microsoft's xCloud, right? Like I, I highly doubt that Microsoft would even allow that. But if you're Apple, you've given away that control of the narrative to some other company whose you know business incentives don't necessarily align with yours. So it's it's not going to be easy to, to sort of untangle this one, I don't think. Yeah, interesting. Mm, raises a debate. All right, let's move on to the really interesting topic here. Yeah, this one, uh, you know, it's kind of the season, I think, for folks to be thinking about, uh, you know, what's going on with their jobs. Maybe people are interviewing people, might be interviewers. And there's this uh, article here, which apparently is the fourth in a series uh, from uh, Natasha Fativa, which talks about iOS interview questions and answers for senior developers. This is part four concurrency. There are, what, nine questions here that I think are are interesting. I'm kind of curious, uh, Stefan, through these sort of briefly of, of how you guys would have attacked these. It's interesting that these are these are similar to questions that I, I do ask in interviews um, to sort of get an idea where people are coming from. But I think I think I let the people sort of explain more than, than yeah, giving point to things. I'm curious too, by the way, this was published in May. So um, uh, the other, I went back and started looking at the previous articles too. They looked rather interesting, but um, I don't have any doubt that Mark would be able to get through these, but um, yeah, I, I do know these are these are ones that I've asked people in the past about, you know, difference between GCD and NS operations or operations as it's called now. Um, it is actually kind of interesting because looking at the questions two and questions four about serial and, con- and concurrent queue and then asynchronous and synchronous tasks, just this week, I was having some long conversations with a couple of uh, you know, pretty junior designers, you know, one or two years of experience, uh, not to visit, uh, developers rather, uh, uh, and this was a this was a confusing area for them, uh, and I was um, I, I wasn't aware that this was such a like a sticky point for for new people. But I guess it yeah. is. They they were sort of confused on the fact that that there's two different dimensions there, right? There's async and sync, and then there's serial and concurrent, and right. they're different things. You know, they're in some ways they do some similar things, sort of like you know synchronous and serial. That's where they were kind of getting mixed up uh, because. Yeah, both of them do things sort of in order, right? Uh, but um, but yeah, it's definitely something everybody really needs to understand pretty well if you're going to do any kind of serious work in iOS, for sure. Yeah, we've seen we've seen some defects come from you know a, a developer going in and, and saying you know they have some sort of UI issue and they realize that they're running something on a background thread, so they'll they'll wrap everything in a you know dispatch main async kind of call, when, but without really realizing that that's not a fix it for everything. You know, um, we've seen. Seen. kind of blindly apply this rule that worked once or somebody told them to do this once. Yeah, let's yeah. bring it to the, the main UI and then, then the yep. problem goes away, right? And then and then some other edge case kind of comes along and, and they get clobbered by it. You know, yeah, interesting. It's funny, like, you know, uh, it's interesting when you when you interview people and when I guess suppose when you're being interviewed um, that things that you kind of know, um, I think the, ch- the challenging thing is putting things into words that, I mean, like I realize there's a vernacular and all that kind of stuff that we talk about and we should talk 
about. But how one person explains something to somebody else, you know, they can get tripped up in, in the words and which comes first, the chicken or the egg. Like, you know, one of the things I ask, one of the questions I actually ask is around GCD and, and NS operation. Like I say, tell me what the difference is. And a lot of times people get it backwards, you know, um, without giving away the answer. But they'll 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 start to tell me one they'll start to tell me what, what is actually NS operations thinking it's GCD, you know, kind of thing, right? Grand Central Dispatch for those of you driving at home. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then race conditions is another one that, that comes up occasionally and, and often. I mean, especially when you're dealing with a lot of asynchronous calls and things like that, mm-hmm. um, you can you can get into weird loops, right? Absolutely, you can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's probably the cause of most of the unexplained, mysterious errors out there is some kind of threading issue. Not so much anymore, actually. Threading is a lot easier now than it used to be. GCD. I, I, I keep telling people. In fact, I was telling one of our interns that in in a few years she's going to look back, or or one day she's going to have an epiphany, and suddenly she's going to realize that GCD is just this amazing piece of technology, and it's mm-hmm. beautiful, and it's and it's a joy to work with. And she kind of was like, uh, "Yeah, right." <laughs> yeah, go, Grandpa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's but I think it's true. I think it's true. It is an amazing piece of technology. It's probably it's one of really it's an unsung hero, but it's one of the best things, honestly, that Apple has ever come up with. It is right. amazing technology. Uh, and, and you know, if you ever have to do any like old school threading stuff, it just, ugh, it, it's so much better. And it just works. Right, right. Yeah. We were talking at the beginning of the show about routing phone calls across the country mm-hmm. back in the old days, right? It's it's almost as analogous to that kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Now you just open a Zoom call, right? Isn't that what you do? You just yeah, open Zoom? exactly. And... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But back in the day, there was a way that things had to get routed. Mm-hmm. Idea. I have to say, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really see much reason to ever use operation queues anymore because, well, in Swift at least, uh, dispatch queues are cancelable. Tasks are cancelable now. So, except for the, you know, the, the random every once in a while, there's a there's a uh, some method in UI Kit or whatever. Like uh, uh, one that immediately comes to mind is notification center at observer. If you use the if you use the uh, the closure form, takes an, an operation queue as opposed to a dispatch queue. And so you're forced to use it in that case. But, you know, it's almost the same in that situation. But, I mean, what, what, when would you use an operation queue, I guess? It's, it's I mean, kind of... With like a dispatch the, work item, right? You have, it's, it's a cleaner syntax than an operation, I think. Yeah, I, I, I think, I, I think operation hasn't been improved as in the, in the same amount of ways that uh, GCD stuff has. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. I was going to say, is like, well, I guess it kind of depends on, on if these are, largely one-off or fire and forget kind of things, or if you're doing, um, a whole pipeline uh, and sometimes branching pipeline of things where NS operation can lend itself a little bit better. But unless you're, you're very heavily like, yes, this is clearly everything is a pipeline and operations. I'm willing to deal with the overhead. It's kind of nicer to use the, the GCD equivalents yeah. that are lighter and, weight. And, and, a, and a couple of years ago, I would have agreed with you a hundred percent, but now that dispatch queues in Swift, at least, and in Objective-C, I haven't done an Objective-C in a while. It may still be the old way in Objective-C. 
but but now i mean dispatch queue tasks you know are are you know dispatch work items really is the, is what the cla- the object type is they're first first class objects you know you can keep an array of them if you want do whatever yeah, you want yeah it's not just a whole bunch of closures that you would yeah. have had to sort yeah. of hack it with before yeah, yeah. It's, and it's nice and dispatch groups are just um, it's amazing that those things work <laughs> but they do mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i think i think one thing that is is kind of interesting about this is that i feel like maybe ns operation should get some of the same sort of love of like you know yeah let's justify its 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 position in the world um because there is a fair amount that sort of goes into it it is nice that it sort of really makes you think about cancellation as being one of the things because you know is is canceled or is finished whatever it's called is is sort of like there sort of in your face as part of the uh the interface of ns operation whereas you you sort of have to know about dispatch work item and that it can be canceled um because i i do think going along the lines of you know you're asking senior developers about this that just because you can call cancel on something doesn't mean it actually will cancel it kind of depends on underneath the covers is that even a cancelable thing right and like you know let's pretend that one of these items was making some sort of network request well depending on what you had set up uh, if you had the like you know traditional closure based sort of callback for that network request that wasn't going to cancel you could tell it to cancel that's cool and maybe if you lucked out that it hadn't actually run yet cool um but if you really wanted you know arbitrary cancellation you sort of had to go that next level deeper with the network request of like all right now we're setting up that delegate callback relationship where i get bytes and i append them and i get more bytes and append them and if i get told to cancel then i just scrap it all and go away and stop right like that was something that i've i've had discussions with folks who were uh coming up from the you know a little bit too uh, experienced to be juniors anymore they they weren't just getting started out but they were trying to sort of cross that threshold into their senior level understanding of like just because you call cancel doesn't mean it necessarily cancels let's see what's actually going on under the covers is was my main point there mm-hmm. all right where are we? Okay, so I guess we're at the pick section already. That was quick. That's quick. Um, so, Jaime, what do you got for a pick this week? Yeah, my pick is a book that is uh, still in beta, coming out Ooh. soon-ish, right? It's uh, Apple Game Frameworks and Technologies Build 2D Games with SpriteKit and Swift by, uh, you know, sometimes co-host and 100% time friend of the show, Tammy Coron. So there's your there's your full disclosure there. We do have a relationship with the, with the author, but this one looks pretty neat where you're going to be able to uh, learn how to build a, a few different games using SpriteKit and... Um, uh, scene kit, if I'm not mistaken, and end up using pieces of it that will give you the building blocks, right? So it mentions here on the tin that you'll build three different games, uh, Gloop Drop, which is probably still available in the store. I've, I know I've had that on my phone. Um, uh, Val's Revenge, uh, a, a roguelike dungeon crawler, and a social player versus player mobile dice game. And it's going to end up covering, if you take a look at the um, sort of the, the table of contents, the little pieces that you're going to need, right? Like, yo, how does sprite kit work in general how do physics and collision work uh what about you know sound effects and editing scenes and then uh, i think a, a pretty key part if you want to have like an actual game and not just like a physics demo is the artificial intelligence part so being able to use a lot of the tools that we've we've talked about sort of independently and in isolation on this show coming out of, of apple's game frameworks you know the adding the artificial intelligence side of things that i think tammy's one of those people who's going to do a really good job here of being 
able to pull all of this stuff together because that's sort of what she does, right? As a, as a Renaissance person. So pretty <laughs> excited to see this one uh, come out here. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, we've talked about, we've had Tammy on the show before and I've, I've followed a lot of her tutorials and she's my editor of choice, but um, the um, uh, gameplay kit, when that first came out, she was one of the first people, I think one of the only people I've seen out there that actually produced a tutorial on the various uh, ways that that works beyond what Apple did with the WWDC stuff. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping that she's going to cover some of that in this book as well, right? So I know she's big time into spread kit and scene kit and things, right? So, and you know, I've built, I've been building an app. We're trying to re- rewrite one of my apps in uh, Sprite Kit for years, and she's been prompting me every now and then. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this book for sure. Available uh, now in beta from uh, the Pragmatic Bookshelf, and the final version it says here is expected February 2021. So, if you want to get in early, you can do so now. Hmm. So, my pick is kind of a stealth pick, and it's it's an interesting thing because it just I just came full circle on this because uh, back to Natasha Fediva again. Um, I saw this link the other day. And I and I looked at it in in Twitter, and I thought, oh, that'd be interesting for the story for the story for the show. It's actually just one of her her, her latest posts on her site. There you go. So if you guys look at that below the fold on the first page, um, yeah. So she she I saw this tweet the other day, and it was a step by step for guide for localizing plurals in iOS, and um, kind of an interesting thing. Like you know, we talked we talk about localization in the past, and I know that sometimes with um, um, number systems like uh, like numerics and stuff like that, you have to, different cultures or different uh, languages have different ways of of describing numbers. Like in in our apps in in Canada, we tend to work in English and French, and I know you guys do Spanish and and in English in the states. But like for us with with uh, currency, you know, you put a, we put a, a comma on the thousands and you know decimal between the zero and the, the cents and the dollars, right? Uh, in Quebec, they don't they they do it differently. They put a comma between the, the cents and the dollars, right? So so that's a sort of change that we have to be aware of, a regional change in, in, in um, currency for localization. But this was interesting. What's interesting about this article was she talks about handling things like, and her example here is a dog, her dog eats a carrot, or dog eats a carrot, or dog ate some carrots. You know what I mean? Like um, dog ate one carrot, dog ate two carrots, three carrots, four You know, like how the word carrot gets pluralized, right? And the simple example she gives here is you could just have like a string for a single carrot, or you can have, you know, a string that handles multiple carrots. However, in other languages, the way that you pluralize uh, these these counting words, whatever, uh, is different. So she talks about in this article about how to do this. And I started reading it, and I kind of got lost myself, but uh, I want to go back into it and take a look at it. So I do recommend that people have a look at this this quick little article on um, on uh, using localization for pluralization. So that's my pick. Yeah, I, I'll try my best. Okay. Because the the example of dog, how many dogs you're talking about in Russian works very differently than I would have expected. I'm, I'm kind of used to like, all right, well, there's a singular and then there's a plural and sometimes there's like a special plural. But this one has a pattern that's very challenging. So so for, we're talking about dogs here, right? You have one, 21, 31, 41, 51, 61 is sabaka. If you have 2 to 4 or 22 to 24 or 32 to 34 as an example, you have 2 sabakie. If you have 5 to 20 or 25 to 30 or 35 to 40, you have 5 sabak, which is... Is it like a, like a fizz buzz kind of thing? It's like, weird. It's yeah, like, almost, okay, yeah. so 1 and then, okay, if you had 1, but then you have like, you know, 10, some, some multiple of 10s more. Okay, if you had 
you know, two to four, and then you had, you know, uh, divisible by two <laughs> or adding two more. I'm not sure the pattern here. It's sabakye. And if you had some multiple of five, then it's sabak, is what I think. And I'm sure uh, if you are listening now and you understand how Russian works and how this would work, please hit us up, hashtag AskMTJC on Twitter, because my head is exploding. Or on could join words. our Slack channel and explain it to us. Or, or join the Slack channel and explain more in depth, because this is unexpected. And it's a big reason, I think, why, Tim, you, you brought this to the forefront and that pluralization is challenging. You don't want to just wing it in code. You want to use tools like iOS gives you to do that properly through your, your localizable strings. Yeah, that's good. Good explanation. By the By way, way that, do, you, do you speak Russian or was I was going to say, like, where did that come from? The, <laughs> no, okay. So, so I happened, for weird reasons, I happened to know what the Russian word was for dog. I know it's sabaka, uh, right? And then I went very quickly. I was like, wait, which word is it for, like, how many dogs, though? Well, that's in the article. <laughs> I know. Anyway, yeah, sorry. so so I'm looking at I was like, all right, I recognize Sabaka. And right. then I was like, I don't know what this other thing that kind of looks like Sabaka. And then I went to Google Translate, it's, it says it's Sabakia uh, or something. Okay. And then Sabak is like easy because it doesn't have the A at the end. So I, that's oh, how I was okay. able to, to, I apologize in advance for butchering the Russian language. <laughs> I'm not a native speaker, but that's how I happened to, to, to get ever so much more detail on this than you guys probably anticipated. Hmm. That's part of the surprise of the show. Interesting, though. Little, little interesting nuggets of, of knowledge more and facts. Just code. Yeah. More <laughs> yeah. than just code. More, way more than just code. Um, I've installed iOS for iPad OS 14 on my on my iPad, so I thought I would take Scribble for a, a run, right? Because you know I used to have a Newton back in the day, and so I could basically write. But but and I've got the Nemo app, which we talked we talked about on the show before. Um, and I found it very difficult to like it if I write in cursive. Like I, I tend to write in. A, I have a sloppy style. I write in. I handwrite a bit of cursive and a bit of block text at the same time. Right. So it's kind of sort of my my loose my loose shorthand, if you will. Right. And I found that it, it has a hard time with that because sometimes I'll you know if I'm doing like thinking, I'll, the ing comes out sort of like a scribble. I know what I wrote, but obviously I have to slow down and do the ing or or uh, Apple's interpreter. Right. But yeah. I mean, I just like, I'll read you some of it. Like, so I said, this is a note that one and writing by hand four score and seven years ago, it, and then is a far, four, far better one than do I have ever done before. Right. Like I'm quoting Dickens. Right. Um, and even jingle bells, jingle bells, furrow bells, gangle all the way. Oh, what fun it, oh, what it is to ride in a one horse open skia. I don't know why it's skia for sleigh, uh, dashing through the snow in a one horse open skia <laughs> oh wet rin it is to sign our slaying song toilet <laughs> so it, it has some work to do right i did find that if i if i type if i sorry if i write in in block letters like like uppercase it tends to like you know as if i'm you know that seems to work much better than than trying to write cursive either write cursive right or write in block but not mix it up it's it's i think it's still got some work to do to really replace uh, proper handwriting writing and handwriting to text. And I, and I went back just for science. I went back to the Nemo app um, that we talked about a couple of years ago, and it still is better than Apple's current Scribble. But I think it's okay for short, like I use Scribble on my watch where you write one letter at a time. Um, but um, yeah, I think I think it's uh, even even with the iPad Pro and the fancy, you know, I've got the paper-like uh, filter on the front of my screen to give me some drag and using the Apple Pencil, I still found that it's very difficult to uh, to do proper handwriting with the iPad. 
That's my review. Right. And I mean, I realized this pretty quickly, but I thought you were talking about Scribble.io. S-K-R-I-B-B-L dot I-O. Oh, no. Is apparently a... a, uh, You remember that game? um, Was it Drawing with Friends or something? This is very similar concept. Uh, I I haven't played this game, but our uh, design team, I think, you know, the happy hour type thing, they they said like, hey, let's all join in. And I think they played this game where they could just try to draw things and then have people guess what it is to get points. It's very similar to like Pictionary, I think. Yeah, I was was actually pretty disappointed with this uh, but I mean the way you, you tap on the little there's like a little pen icon and there's a uh, pen that's actually meant for like you have a, a marker and eraser and all that kind of stuff when you're, when you're using the pencil kit thing but there's this new uh, pen looks like a mechanical pencil with an A on it and that's mm-hmm. for doing the text and like I said you know as you start writing I'm doing some writing as we speak here um, it, it's, it can't keep up with the speed that I can actually write you know yeah there's there's a lot to go here and I think that's why there's so many different apps and tools that are trying different approaches um it, it's a little different than what you were trying to do the more like um you know palm pilot graffiti sort of thing of like yeah i want to be yeah. able to just write like a normal way that i've i've been writing all my life and have it handled that nicely i think very similarly there are lots of differences in the way that you would handle the vectors for or drawing stuff like uh, this Certainly this week, I don't think it was today, I upgraded uh, on my work machine to the newest version of Microsoft Teams. And I looked at the oh, yeah. at the release notes. I was like, oh, they have this like enhanced whiteboarding feature. Let me go check that out. Yeah. And it's it's very <laughs> rudimentary. Like it, 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 it's very rudimentary what it offers. But yeah. the thing that impressed me was when I got the little drawing pen and using, using my mouse, not an iPad, mm-hmm. I drew, you know, some arrows and boxes and like, well, let me pretend this is, you know, I'm explaining an architecture or something. And I was like, oh, wow. They did some really nifty stuff with with smoothing the lines so it doesn't look like, you know, a little child's scribble who doesn't know how to control the, the pen. Um, yeah. I didn't really experiment to see, like, what's the trade-off? Like, does it does it butcher if I tried making actual tiny little designs? Like, what is it optimizing for? But it did seem to handle the, I'm trying to draw an arrow to point you at a box sort of thing uh, pretty well, pretty impressively, considering I didn't have uh, a more natural input device like an Apple Pencil when I was using it. Yeah. I did. I did try that. There's there is a drawing mode that it has where you can draw like um, you can draw like a triangle or a square or a circle and and like paper by fifty three would do that. It'll, you know, you draw a sort of a rough circle. It kind of makes a nice looking oval. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that that does work. That doesn't work. But I, I'm trying to remember where the hell I did it. But uh, and yeah, I think I mentioned the other thing the other day about Teams. I noticed that they're doing um, they they have large font now working in in the iPhone, but their large font is larger than the font you have in your system setting so it's kind of comical that it's huge <laughs> i don't know if i told if i mentioned that last week on the show let's take this uh you talk about the accessibility large yeah. fonts yeah yeah, yeah you know, and they're they're, like, they're too big because it, it's pretty much impossible to make an app work with those large fonts no what i'm saying though is is that like apple's app like the native apps uh, like on the they tend to work fine but microsoft has gone one they've gone to 11 <laughs> in terms of you know how, how big how much bigger the font is right yeah it, like if I, I, I use large fonts it's like, okay, yeah, this would have been like, you know, normal text. And they said, no, that's title text. All right. So what's title text? Super mega title text. Right? I hope you read this huge paragraph three characters at a time. We've made it so you can't see it from across the room. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. Well, that brings us to the end. So, hey, if people want to get in touch with you, how would they reach you? I'm on Twitter as at Dev with the Hair. And Mark, if people want to get in touch with you? Mark R at Smapsoft.com. Notwithstanding your Apple mail rules. And, well, that's uh, my other email, which we don't say on the podcast because okay. yeah, I got enough spam to the other one. <laughs> All right. Uh, my name is Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. And so until next time, we'll say bye-bye. Bye. 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 This has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the apps, code, and news that we mentioned on the show. If you like the podcast, tell your friends. Please leave a comment on the website, and if you can, please write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. So use the hashtag AskMTJC. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. Please consider supporting the show by pledging any amount on patreon.com slash MTJC. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Mm -hmm. Just working on my birthday video, all the embarrassing photos and stuff. Mm, Cool, cool. (laughs) Just trying to find some music that's that'll fit. It ends up it ends up being a long, long video. Mm -hmm. Lots of photos. Most of them in the last, you know, ten years or so, I guess. Since we got, it's funny, exponentially more photos as as the phones get better, right? Yeah, I mean, the switch to digital certainly helped, where you weren't just yeah taking photos like very planned. It was like, oh, just take as many as you want, and it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the, I remember back and some of the some of the earlier shots are like you know from the old film days when it cost like you know twenty bucks to get a roll of film done and your dad would freak out if you took a picture of a rock or something like that. You know? <laughs> that's why I always went into the darkroom and sort of did my own thing, right? You missed you earlier. Did you not get the invite? Invite for what? what? <laughs> we had a Zoom know. call earlier. You did? Yeah, we did. Yeah. I so the, to, the, I, I made the mistake of sending it to Mark R, so it probably went to spam, I guess. I am kind of curious if it went oh. to Mark R at smapsoft.com or if it. Yeah. I didn't look at the list. Yeah. No, I did send it to, to Smapsoft. Mark oh. R at smapsoft.com. Oh. Yeah, I see where it went. Yeah. Oh, no. I didn't get it. No? Nope. You should have. I, I can see. Two days the, ago. Uh, Mark R at smapsoft.com. No, it, mm-hmm. wasn't, it wasn't that account. It was a different account. What? Mm-hmm. A different Ruben account? I see a Mark Ruben. Oh, is it maybe... When did you send it? I didn't get it. Monday, maybe? Monday at 4.29 p.m. Pacific is when I received the, the big blast. Mm-hmm. Monday? What's today? Today's Wednesday. Okay. So that's 8.10? No worries. You just missed Greg and Tammy and, I mean, and my family. <laughs> well, was how come I didn't get it, though? That's what's I don't know. bothering me. That was weird. I don't know. Technology. Email's not a guaranteed for, uh, delivery format. I guess you knew that, right? It's true. Yeah, true. <laughs> no, I'm looking at my junk. I'm looking at... Did you look in your spam? folder that's junk spammed you lots of people and who did it get sent from me uh which one which one tim i did not get it
Well, then I don't feel slighted, do I? <laughs> what was the call about? Oh, it was my my 60th birthday today. Oh, happy birthday. Yeah, that um, was what it was going for, but yeah. <laughs> when was, so when was the call? Was it earlier today? Yeah, it was oh. 6, so 3.30 your time. Oh, I'm sorry. That's all right. No worries. It would have been hard for me to make it anyway, but... Yeah, it was yeah. Plenty yeah of people I, I hopped on for about 30 minutes and then had to go to a meeting to finish off the day. Yeah, I think Greg Greg had to jump too. I missed, I didn't see Greg take off, but yeah. Yeah, I saw him post it in the, in the chat on Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, did you say you had to had to run? Had yeah. to drop? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, my my sisters wanted to do a Zoom call, and so Carol said, "Can you set up a Zoom call? Because I don't know how to do that." And then yeah. next thing I know, I'm setting up my own Zoom call. Yeah, not much of a surprise party, huh? <laughs> well, and the, and the thing is that, that Carol Carol, uh, you know, he uh, also got me a cake, and so I had to cut a, oh. I cut a piece of cake, and then we had candle and the whole bit, and everybody sang. Of course, with the internet lag, it was like a cough. Oh, no, no, sorry, I missed it. <laughs> oh, too bad. That's all right. Well, it's you know social. Social uh, social distance birthday. I mean, like, what yeah, are, yeah. what other year are we ever going to do like a international? Oh, you know what's funny? My uh, my niece from Vietnam was supposed to join the call too. Yeah. Oh well, guess she couldn't make it. Yeah, when I saw it, I thought it was this weird mistake. Cause like, there's no way Tim has sent us a Zoom call on a Tuesday. That just doesn't make sense. That must have been an accident. And then I looked Wednesday at it a little means. closer and said, "No, wait a yeah. minute. Who are these people?" And that's yeah. when I read it closer. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought oh. I had accidentally gotten tagged when you were like trying to meet with your family or something. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because you, yeah. you'd mentioned that you you guys do that from time to yeah. time. Yep. Yeah. They, my sisters don't. They don't get the whole convenience of Zoom. They always want to use Skype or Apple FaceTime, whatever. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Usually it's the home, like they have an iPad at my mom's place and uh, somebody at the home will call and then we all jump on the call. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, that's where for that kind of usage, something like the Facebook portal makes a lot of sense, right? The one that you can attach to the, the top of your television. Oh, really? Yeah. You haven't seen the, the Muppets commercials that they were yeah, doing? Yeah, yeah. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, attach it to your television. Like, yeah, it kind of makes sense. It's kind of a central place where the family would be used to gathering. Oh, and- right. Yeah. Oh, and then you use your TV as the screen. Uh, yeah. There it is. You, you Damn it. it. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe you can come for my 120th birthday. You know what happened? <laughs> you know what happened? There's, there's, I have a rule set up. Oh, yeah. And it moved it into a folder that was closed in my oh. mail. Yeah. So it just kind of got lost. Uh-huh. Oh, that's kind of lame. <laughs> what was the rule that triggered this versus other things that Tim might send out? I should, you know, I should have, I should have pinged you guys on Slack, right? Actually, too, right? So well, I did, yeah, I announced it on Facebook. But obviously, you don't go on yeah. Facebook either. So. so apparently, this happens fairly often because I mm. see three emails from you that I haven't read. Oh. One from March, one from May, and one from August. The nerve of that guy, eh? I mean, I'm telling you. I keep emailing, emailing him and never replies to me. Just take those those Tim Mitro emails and shove them right <laughs> yeah. in death. No, that's what happens. <laughs> well, I mean, it almost did because, because the full, the here's the problem. Wait, I want to know now. Wait, were the other ones important? No, no. <laughs> Must not no, have been if you no. never say, "Hey, man, did you get that email?" So, <laughs> so I have a rule that puts it into the into into a folder in my yeah. on my Mac section. Yeah, I don't oh, know yeah, why yeah. I did that, but I must have done that at some point. Yeah, uh, and the folder was closed in my mail tool. Yeah, but also in that same on my Mac, there's recovered messages, which I have seven thousand of them because it's just a bunch Ooh. of junk mail that oh, yeah. that that mail just won't de- won't delete. Yeah, so in this closed folder was seven thousand things three of them were yours because they were oh. in two different
different subfolders oh. in mail. <laughs> People That's always insane. ask me. Computers, they do exactly what you want them to. Why yeah, don't you use a desktop client for your mail, Lopez? And I said, well, because I've seen it go wrong enough times on various platforms that yeah. I might as well just open a browser tab because that always works. You know what drives me crazy is when you send a mail. Like, like I, I've been using the same mail server for, I don't know how long, right? And whenever, whenever I set up a new client on it, they're like, I can't find the mail I sent and I don't know where it goes when I put it in the folder and whatever, right? And so you have to go in and do this tricky sort of dance around the settings. And so, I mean, and I've given up on it. So sometimes if I send a message from my Mac, I can retrieve it in the sent folder on my phone. But whenever I send something on my, like, like for instance, this message, I could not get, like it went into my sent items on my Mac, but it wouldn't go into the, uh, wouldn't go to the sent items on the server, right? Which is where I really want them to go, right? Because then you got the convenience of the cloud and you can get it wherever you want, right? But uh, yeah, it's just, it's so, so annoying, this stupid email thing. It's such a dumb technology. All right. I just deleted that rule, so. Okay. So next, next time, so, so next time you send birthday, me any, yeah, for, for your 70th birthday, it'll okay. show up in my, in my inbox. Cool. And by then we'll, <laughs> by then we'll be using our, you know, our, our, um, our implants to, to meet each other, right? So, well, we'll probably both be uploaded to, to the, uh, <laughs> to the cloud, to the, to the cloud by then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Well, instead of, instead of being cremated, and I, we'll and be I didn't mean, I didn't mean that metaphorically in that sense. I, mean, I was thinking more in the, <laughs> I was thinking more in the, uh, the, um, the singularity, you know, they're going to upload our brains oh. into a computer. I didn't mean we were going to die. <laughs> right. Right. You know, it's funny though. It's funny that you say that. I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but, and maybe this is a common thought, but I remember I was in the hospital once when I was like seven or something like that. Right. And I remember thinking, what if we're all just lying in a bed somewhere and we're just plugged into this thing? And, and, you know, when I'm in San Francisco and you're in San Francisco and we're talking to each other and walking down the street, maybe it's all just like, it's like the matrix, right? Like literally yes. that's what I was thinking. The brain and the bat theory. There's, yeah. I guess that's there's a no, there's thing. no way to disprove that. It's a, it's kind of a crazy thing. There's, there's no way to disprove that there isn't a, that you aren't just a, a brain in a vat somewhere with, mm-hmm. with a incredibly infinitely sophisticated, uh, computer, <laughs> computer, just, yeah, just giving you exactly the right inputs to make you believe yeah. that you're a living human. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that's, that's exactly, you're exactly right. I mean, the thing, the thing about it is, is what we know of life is based on these, you know, these Our inputs senses. that we have. Yeah. Right. And the senses are all feeding into this brain and for all intents and purposes that we could be automatons or we could be, you know, whatever, like this, this whole consciousness that we call life is, it's just electrical signals bouncing around and it could be just in a matrix somewhere, like in some sort of like, um, you know, sitting, sitting on a piece of silicon somewhere or whatever, or whatever they use in the next level of life. Right. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully this is just a, you know, a, a training internship program for the real existence. Yeah. Just that, to, that would so be kind of nice. Giant, wouldn't it? <laughs> big, big giant, uh, RW DevCon, uh, you know, you know tutorial, right? <laughs> yeah. We're kindergartners. We're kindergartners in the super advanced civilization where they just put us there so we can learn all the things that, yeah. that we shouldn't do and what can go wrong if we elect Trump president and things like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's all just a simulation. We, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 You realize this is how religions start, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. we got to stop people from killing the cows. So let's tell them there's, a, you know, there's some sort of reason why they can't eat all the cows. And I'm kind of laughing because we just did a did a rendition of happy birthday on the zoom call yeah. and Jaime and I are looking at each other going this isn't going to work <laughs> I knew it was going to be a disaster so well, I said I'm just going to re- keep time with what I'm trying to do yeah. and, and yeah. don't even hear what they're saying and it got out of control immediately if, yeah. you, if you don't record it no one will ever know <laughs> exactly well yeah it's exactly the thing and yeah 
that's yeah, yeah, that's true. I noticed my other friend Eugene just sort of sat there, and he's another musician. He just sat there and watched everybody like flail away at this song. Was it a video call or a or a? Yeah, it was a video call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, too bad. Sorry, I, I took it. some screenshots. I'll, I'll share yeah. the screenshots later. Yeah, yeah. No worries. Well, happy Alrighty. birthday, Tim. Happy, uh, happy going into your seventh decade. How about that? Yeah, that's what my sister pointed out. I didn't realize right. it was it was like yeah. that significant. Yeah, or just another spin around the sun, right? Of course. Some say. some would argue that that the uh, the change in the decade will happen next year. Well, it's interesting. A friend of mine who's Chinese told me that when you're born, you're one years old. Well, they believe that. Your, yeah, they believe it starts at year, conception. Right? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, at conception, well, really? Mm. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I might have that wrong. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, well, I always I, assumed I, that was what, why they. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.